and welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Butt Knight. And I am Sir Jimmy of House Nuts. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today, we are into your ravens. All right, Jimmy, let's dive into some of these ravens. Some of these come from email. Some of these come from YouTube comments, some other Instagram posts. I was really pulling back, and I actually went back and looked, and there's actually a lot of ravens that have been sent to us over the years, especially that season eight block, which I know is like three years ago, but we honestly had so many Ravens that they're still just unopened Ravens because we just received so many. And the same thing during House of the Dragon, uh, you know, it's just like the wave comes in. So it's like, start diving back into these. And of course, if you guys do still have new questions or anything, feel free to certainly shoot those our way and we can try to dive into some more of these. So uh, we have two here and I think maybe the first one will be a little bit quick. But again, from our pretty much most loyal listener here and commenter over on YouTube, Lady Ashley of Noth. So she commented on one of our YouTube videos saying, you guys should do a video dedicated to whether or not the Three-Eyed Crow and Blood Raven are the same person. I'm inclined to say that they aren't the same, but I've heard good arguments on both sides. So I'm curious where you guys come down on it. And of course, I do think perhaps us doing at some point like a really like well-dedicated video on it is a good idea. But just for Raven's Nest today, diving into your guys' Ravens, Jimmy, what are your thoughts on it? I honestly think that they're the same. I know that that's not as fun, but I, I, I don't necessarily think that they're, they're two different people. Um, I've always had that that kind of uh, hunch that this is one of those things that maybe wins has been been coming for a long time. <laughs> and I think yeah. maybe, you know, with Days of Dragons and all the brand stuff that this is one of the things that we want to latch on to. But I just look at like the mystery surrounding all these things and I'm like, what would that add to the story? Right. Like, I, I, I guess I can't see a reasonable place for that to go in future books, uh, considering that I think we need to start wrapping up some of this stuff in wins and then get ready for Dream of Spring to, you know, if George is really going to do it in seven books. Uh, so I my my gut reaction is that they're the same. What about you? I'm in the opposite camp. I don't I, I think I think they are different. I think that the three eyed crow, um, I think that the three eyed crow that regardless of what happens in the books will be very different from what happens in the show. But I do, I think the three eyed crow is sort of this entity that has been around for a very long time, might even be perhaps tied to, you know, the great other or something. It just seems odd to me that they're all of a sudden Brendan rivers happens to go, beyond the wall and now he has become this you know stuck in this tree and there's children of the forest there you know there's green seers and wargs and other things beyond the wall with the wildlings and mm -hmm. none of them over the centuries and thousands of years have ever come in contact with children of the forest that felt like they could use them to something you know their benefit so i feel like it is something that the children of the forest you know, like Leaf and everybody knows about that they're able to sort of tap into this power and that Brendan Rivers is just filling that role in the current time because we do know that the role passes. So we already know that both in the show and very likely in the books, the role of the Three-Eyed Raven in the show and Three-Eyed Crow does at least pass from Blood Raven to Bran. Yes, and I agree with you here. I, I agree with that 100%. Like, I think the three-eyed crow is a thing 
right? That has right. existed and will exist. And like, we're always curious about who came before Blood Raven. Right. So I agree with you there. It's just that some people Is think that evil like, or something. Yeah, there's they're like two separate entities working, at, you know, separately. And I just don't I don't see that because a lot of the descriptions that we get actually from about Blood Raven are Brendan Rivers and the three eyed crow. Um, are very similar. I remember both being described with the one red eye, for example. Um, so I never felt like the descriptions led me to believe anything other than maybe like a couple words that people would point out, which to be fair, George does do things with just singular words and plays with us a little bit. But but I do agree with that. I agree with what you're saying, that I think the three-eyed right. crow is an entity that has existed a long time. And Brendan Rivers, Blood Raven is just another addition of that. Right. Yeah, he yeah, he's he's one of them. Yeah, so that's I just I think that we will begin to see you know, we do obviously with the show we didn't really get as you don't get POVs. So I do think that the three-eyed you know, crow is maybe begin to take Bran over a little bit. I think that'd be kind of interesting to see that and so because we'll get POVs. Like hey, it's not just me, there's another person in here. Whether it has become some sort of dark ultimate evil whatever i don't know but i do think that uh though when we get brand povs when he is he become the three-eyed crow taking the mantle from blood raven i feel like it might feel like there's two people i agree I, I would definitely agree with that like their lineage becomes his lineage and it all kind yeah. of the timeline kind of warps together um yeah. which is why we we know that bran is going to interact with the timeline at some point so if if you know, if in the past Bram was already the three eyed crow, you, you know right. what I mean? Like they're all kind of one. I don't know. It, it's kind of trippy. <laughs> to think yeah. About. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's wild. So, okay. So we have another one here from her as well. And it kind of goes into the same. Uh, it's, it's, on, it's on the same subject. So she says, I'm probably in the minority on this, but Jojen has actually changed my interpretation of what's going on in Blood Raven's cave. I know Jojen says Bran is a green seer, but based on the known criteria, it seems more likely that Jojen is the green seer, which has me thinking it's Jojen, the children of the forest and Blood Raven need. And Bran was merely was merely the lure to get them to their cave. If the Jojen, if the Jojen pace theory pans out, I'll be even more convinced of that. That gives me patch face under the sea, old fish eat the young fish vibes, but I digress. Something in my buttermilk ain't clean there. And I think that plot is far more malevolent than it appears. Okay. So I, I, uh, I like this quite a bit. I think this is interesting. And I do think we should think about Jojen's role in the cave and in Bran's journey and how it all ties in to the children of the forest, to the green seers, and obviously to uh, blood Raven and the three eyed crow. I, I don't think that Jojen was the end game, but I do think that he is a necessary piece of the puzzle. I think Jojen pace is a hundred percent real. Uh, I think that, that definitely happens. I think it's extremely sad as well. Uh, Maybe Jojen's that Jojen like sacrifice had to have happened for this transfer to begin. Possibly. I think a lot of people say Jojen's a green seer, but I think he more so just has green dreams. Uh, and maybe there's a more of a distinction there than, than we realize, but I don't think that brand and Jojen both can't be green seers. I think they both can be, but as Meek Mill would say, there is levels to this shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I'm I'm with you. And I think maybe like, you know, they need that 
they need the Jojen pace to sort of give Blood Raven some more power, or you know, to yeah. they they lure Green Seers there in order to do it. And maybe that was the case when Blood Raven got there the first time. You know, maybe the whole deal is that Bran doesn't necessarily need to be a Green Seer because Bran's dreams, really, if you kind of look at them, they're all kind of actually influenced by mm. the Three Eyed Crow. Yeah. So they, they may not necessarily be green dreams. They could be three-eyed crow dreams that Bran is having. But what might end up being the whole deal is that Bran, we know, is a warg and has blood yes. of the first men in him. Yes. So that might be the thing that makes him like the super version. Yes. You know, of the this. and it's not to say you're right. And it's not just. And, you know, it's also not just that he could also have King's blood in him, which we know Blood Raven does because he comes from the Stark line and mm. Rob becomes a king. So in theory, the Starks are kings and we do know that the Starks have been kings. So there's a lot of like potential blood magic things that exist with Bran. And if Bran ends up becoming king, then his his blood is King's blood his entire life. Yeah, I, that's what I was about to say. Maybe it's one of these trippy things where it's like, well, we can pick you because you have king's blood. And he's like, but there are no kings, Like, but you will be king. And then the timeline exactly. jumps and what uh, we're, we're going a little into the weeds here. But I, I, I agree. I think him being a warg and also being a Stark probably does level him up a little bit over Jojen, even though Jojen is a man of, you know, the old gods and the first men and all these other things Like the reeds have been around a long time. Uh, the warging feels very very important and do you feel like blood raven is a work i don't know like can he possess that little crow in the dreams like have you if you can get into a crow can, in a dream then are you a can warg? he only i maybe he can do that because when you become the three-eyed crow you sort of gain new abilities mm -hmm. And yeah. it's only through because you're like tied to the weirwood tree that you now gain abilities that you didn't have before that weirwood Wi-Fi man. Exactly. Because he was a sorcerer <laughs> beforehand. So yes. but we don't know that like Melisandre could warg. We don't we don't yeah. we haven't seen any other we've that's kind of the crazy thing is when you begin to look at magic and begin to look at things, there's a lot of things that are able to be done by multiple different gods. Right. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes are perceived to have been done by multiple different yes. different gods. Right. Azor, uh, Azor High or excuse me, uh, R'hllor can bring people back from the mm -hmm. dead. We know that the others and the night and the Night King, Night King doesn't exist in the books, but what we know that the White Walkers are able to raise wargs. So they are giving them some sort of life, bringing them back from the dead animating them in some way whether it's just sort of a, their weird version of necromancy or whatever mm -hmm. it is still some kind of magic that is now giving these people a different life um the drowned god is able to bring people back whether it's actually the drowned god doing it or it's just basic no. cpr right <laughs> you know at least they that's how that's how they view it so there's uh you know ways to change shapes and face whether it's mm -hmm. like with melisandra um you know glamoring people or with aria and the faceless men. so there's a lot of shared abilities but done different ways by different gods yeah and i think that if, if i had to put my money on it and also based the way we've heard george martin talk about gods and religion in a song of ice and fire he 
I think in one interview, he famously said that he doesn't think any of the religions are real in Westeros. And I think that maybe it is one God with many faces. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like a different interpretation of the God in different areas. And, and that could be the very case in our world as well. Um, or maybe it's not a God at all. Maybe it's something we just simply do not understand. Therefore, maybe that makes it a God. Now we're getting into philosophy. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But it's clear that there is some magic or force going on in Plantos and Westeros and, and, and everywhere in the world. And we know King's blood seems to possibly be important. At least that's what we think. Um, we also know that wargs seem to be very important. And also just in general, blood magic seems to be very important. Um, there's no doubt there's necromancy. So like what's yeah. happening with that? And I would honestly, I would love the idea. This is crazy that like maybe the white walkers up in the north, there's like some sort of parasite that or bacteria that it takes with them over or something because it's been preserved in the ice and the ice is now falling. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe that could that's a very far reach, but that could be interesting. But the entire Barrick Dondarian storyline puts that out the window. That that doesn't work. We've seen people raised from the dead in multiple places, not just in one geographical location. So I don't think it's anything about that place necessarily that is doing this. So I don't know. It's a big can of worms. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So there's a lot of room to speculate. There is that. Yeah, there, there definitely is a, a lot of, a lot of room to speculate. And the, I, of course, only we need wins, you know, is always the answer to a lot, a lot of these things, but some of these uh, answers about, you know, some of the things about the old gods and stuff like that might be answered more even with like fire and blood part two, which we might get before wins, even though George says we're not going to, you know, mm -hmm. some of the other things we could, we could learn more about some of the, the goings on with these gods and things. So, and definitely Duncan egg because blood Raven is hundred percent main character in those. Yeah. hundred percent with the with the, a night of seven kingdoms show, we may get more details about yeah. that. Okay. So this one uh, was actually sent to us uh, by Jordan. He says, uh, Jordan Reynolds, he, uh, he's been on the podcast, uh, quite a bit. Um, and he says, is Quentin Martell, the sun that rises in the West and sets in the East. You know what I hate? I hate whatever. I feel like I'm always the naysayer because <laughs> I also, don't okay. take, am I the skeptic of Westeros? That's awful. I don't want to be that. No, I was just Are talking about the area taking over white walkers. Come on. I got a little bit of tinfoil in me, but uh, no, I think of the West uh, uh, that rises in the West and sets in the East. I, I can see some of that imagery playing in with Quentin uh, being a son that rises up in the West and then comes to the East and he sets into a grave because he did. Uh, I see all that, but I think that this prophecy has to be more tied to Danny and possibly also John. I think that those two make a lot of sense how that will play out. I'm not totally sure. There's a lot to that prophecy outside of just these words um, talking about giving birth. Um, you know, when this happens, this, a lot of people point to this and they say, well, Quentin was a son that rose in the West and then he came to the East and then he sets and he dies. And then in that moment, Danny has a miscarriage. And some people say that that is therefore her first birth post curse. And I don't know. I kind of like it. 
And maybe that would give a little bit, a lot of people complain about the Quentin Martell storyline in Dance of Dragons. I personally love it. I love whenever a storyline is actually just contained to one book. Eddard Stark comes to mind, <laughs> right? Like there's still consequences and stuff, but his arc is one book long. Um, and I bet you we could find little plots that were just in each book as we went along and the overarching plot was uh, happening all at once. But I, I enjoy that contained arc. So this would give a little bit more purpose to Quentin Martell. Uh, however, it, it feels almost more metaphorical and kind of heavy handed if so. Right. Like, like Quentin Martell didn't know he was the sun that was rising in the West. Right. And yeah, Danny so would whole... never know either. Sorry, but like, right. that's just no, nothing like Danny wouldn't even know. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you're, you're right. So the whole deal is when the sun rises in the West and sets in the East, said Mira Mazdur, when the seas go dry and mountains blow in the wind like leaves, when your womb quickens again and you bear a living child, then he will return and not before. I don't even I it to me. I don't even, I don't even know if this is a really supposed to be like an actual prophecy or just a, a like a long winded way of saying like you're screwed. And also Drogo, it didn't come back. <laughs> so exactly right now did Matt when I the seas so. when the seas go dry and the mountain blows in the mountains blow in the wind like leaves when your womb quickens again and you bear a living child then he will return and not before so like you know that's one thing people never talk about like we thought remember season seven going into season eight because we knew Danny and John hooked up on the boat like we the whole off season of that everyone was like she's gonna be pregnant Everybody thought she was going to be pregnant and it yeah. never, ever came to pass ever. Is Danny going to get pregnant again? And then you bring, I just, I don't know. I just, let's not, let's not I, do that. <laughs> I don't know that this thing will ever play out. I, I, I don't know if it necessarily has to. And, and also it's the return Drogo, right? Drogo is not coming back guys. It's not happening. Uh, I've seen in that Matt, you gotta, you gotta listen to this, bro. I've seen some people say that instead of Drogo, it's Drogon because Drogon flew away and he's going to come back now. And I'm like, I, and then he does, right. He's there and it's like, it all pans out. I think this is a bit of a reach. Like, I don't think <laughs> like adding one letter on and then it fits. I, I, I don't get behind it personally. Yeah. So the other one that sort of goes with it, right. Is Quaith's prophecy to Dan mm. saying to go north you must journey south to reach the west you must go east to go forward you must go back to touch the light you must pass beneath the shadow so there you also have to reach the west you must go east which ties into the sun rises mm -hmm. in the west and sets in the east yeah, I, I think they're pretty independent. I, actually, I, by the way, I think Quaith's prophecy is way more relevant to, to where, where we're at now. I think that all of those things will probably have to come to pass. Right. And, I and they could so just and they could just be the same. They could just be the whatever the same thing is. It's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I will be so disappointed if we don't go to a shy. Like I will be so upset. <laughs> right. If we don't sell underneath the shadow of a, uh, a shy, like I'll be very disappointed. So. Yeah, to go forward, you must go back. To touch the light, you must pass beneath the shadow. And I don't even know what that you know. To touch the light, you must pass beneath the shadow. What that? What that's? What that's going to end up being? I'm not sure what about the light part, but a lot of people talk about a shy by the shadow. Um, right, that's what the city's often called. So, like, I think that that's probably something. So, is Danny just going to come to Westeros via? 
the other way around? I think so. So she would land. Okay. Hear me out. Hear me out. So she would land in Castle Rock then, right? Yeah. Is that is that correct? That's on the west side of Westeros. And if there is nothing between the west side of Westeros and a shy, which is sort of like I say what's west of Westeros is a big question. Is a shy. <laughs> yeah. So uh It could just know. be the planet. It could be just Plantos, you're right. Hmm. I'm pulling up an interactive map right now. God, there's the so map, many maps. The map, might, it might be the whole deal. I have one too here. I can pull up on the on my computer and share. I have one downstairs. I need to go grab it. Is what I need to do. Um, this one. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs, so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Looks like the United States map. That's kind of funny. So yeah, if she came around and landed in the West, she could land at Lannisport, which would support my theory that I believe Tyrion's going to burn Castle Rock and would give purpose for him to be there. Uh, and then you would have Griff on the East Coast still, maybe even already on the Iron Throne. And then you would have Danny going from Castle Rock supposedly to the Red Keep, or maybe she goes north, right? She goes to the Westerlands into the neck and then up right right so here's a map so it very much could be and there's other maps that people have done that speculate as to what some of these other things are like sotheros and you you know you yeah. some of these um things let me get my screen cursor here. wild wild stuff. on on theirs we don't necessarily know but from everything we do sort of know is this i mean this could be the whole thing in theory i mean you know there's there's obviously one down here and there's one and there's one over here but I mean, it could just be that a shy by the shadow, you just keep going and it comes all the way back around. And yeah, you have Lannisport or Old Town. And either one of Which, those is a good destination for Danny. Right. And the, the cool kind of thing about Old Town is to, you know, to to pass to the light, which there is a lighthouse there. Right. Like the big. I love it, Matt. At, I love it. See, this is good. At Old Town, where there's the Sphinx that is the riddle, and Sam there's, might be there. There's a Mace lot of stuff going down Sam. at Old Town. Like, yeah, Old so Town is a maybe you pass beneath the shadow of a Shai and you just sail around and you get to Old Town. Because is Euron going to take Old Town and then right. is Danny going to be brought to Euron? Could be. And then, the, you know, the whole like sailing west of Westeros thing, nobody knows. That's just Arya in the show. Yeah. I mean, it's just silly. <laughs> in season eight, like in the final episode, where people like people want Americos to be over there. <laughs> those people had really tapped out. I mean, Dan and Dave had really tapped. So that doesn't mean that George has to do it. And it also doesn't, 
you know, it's if George kind of wants us to be like his Middle Earth, which there's all the other stuff going on in the world, but we're just focused on Middle Earth because you want it to seem bigger and grander. Well, you could there could still be tons of stuff north and south of everything. Oh, definitely. I mean, you could do. I've I've often said I would love like an Essos uh, drama, like mm -hmm. a city drama in Bravos of a thieves guild or something. I mean, I would be down. So he can do a ton of stuff with Essos, like a ton. And he can add stuff up north. I mean, he can do whatever he wants. So uh, I do think that you probably could go from a shy to like Lannisport or Old Town. I, that's my right. assumption with the map that we have. So, yeah. And I do like what you said. You know, you have to go under the shadow to get to the light or whatever the line is. And those two things are right there on the map. We have a lighthouse in Old Town and we have the shadow in a shy. So. Yeah. So yeah. So the line is to go forward, you must go back to touch the light. You must pass beneath the shadow. I like it. It works. Uh, I think it's applicable. I think it's plain enough for George too, because he always likes to take his prophecies and make them like way more vanilla or you know uh, every day, very mundane. Right. It's compared to yeah. something really super fantastical. So yeah. All right, let's dive into uh, the next one here. This is from Lord Robert of House Blackbird. He says, Dear Sirs, I hope that you're doing great. What do you think about a theory that John Connington is going to use Edric Storm and taking Storm's end? Theory stands on the fact that most of the garrison is Renly's men who are fond of Edric, and if they get uh, rid of Castilian uh, Gilbert Faring, they would accept Edric and surrender the castle. Edric would be legitimized and continue the Baratheon line in the show. This role is given to Gendry. It would be a nice motive of reconciliation of the Targaryen or Blackfire, you know, uh, and, and Baratheon family. How do you think John Connington will take Storms and and what is going to happen in the battle with Mace Tyrell? Golden Company believe they have friends in the Reach, you know, Tarleys, perhaps Merryweathers. Uh, plus, I would like to know your opinion on Aegon. I believe he is a Blackfire, but doesn't, but it doesn't matter. And I, and I hope he will take the throne. Do you think a Patire Baelish is going to support him? It would make sense as Cersei is losing power. Thank you for your work. I really appreciate the chapter rereads. Yeah, so we got a couple of different parts here. And also, Robert, thank you. Appreciate it. Um, you always send in really good Ravens, man. So let's let's talk about this first part, right? Edric Storm. The last thing we hear about him is in the appendix, I believe, of Dance with Dragons. And it says that he is basically out in lists with his protectors. Um, that seems to be all we know. <laughs> he gets sent out in a feast for crows. He's mentioned in Dance with Dragons appendix, and we don't know exactly where he is. I am going to take that at face value and say that he probably is in lists. So he's over there across the narrow sea. Could he come back? Could John Connington send a rave or something? Maybe. I mean, how about this? I love this idea. I really, really like this idea because when we think about House Baratheon, uh, assuming Stannis passes and Shireen can't take the throne and then we do have Gendry. Gendry is still here, but House Baratheon's in trouble. Like we are very close to House Baratheon being snuffed out, which is a house that goes back so so long ago and ties in with the targaryens which you know if we are going to see the last of the targaryens at the end of the series maybe we also see the last of the baratheons who knows but i like the idea that renly's men are fond of edric storm and that edric storm is saved by davos and he puts uh you know him in a position of power i i like all of this stuff uh quite a bit however i 
I would have to then figure out a way for him not to be in this and that they didn't listen to Davos. I don't think they were in contact with John Connington at any point, uh, unless if I'm mistaken, someone can let us know. But I just don't know how John Con gets Edric back in time because he's going to need to take Storm's End pretty early, I think, in the Winds of Winter. I don't think we're going to be getting that towards the end, right? So mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, he's gonna he needs to play another role in this story um, because he's been too prevalent to not play a role Mm -hmm. in the story as we progress. Um, I don't imagine it's going to be a very large part, but I, you know, the the wild thing is that they is that creatively right as george in a way kind of puts him on the shelf like he sends obviously as a writer he's sending this character who seems like would be far more valuable of a piece when you're writing the story in westeros to essos so yes i think he's gonna he's gonna be doing something in essos i don't just think george is gonna write a character to move to over here to then just have him come back so I don't know what that's going to be. That to me seems like something where maybe it's like an Aria chapter that's going on in Essos and she happens to see somebody that sort of resembles him. And then it's going to be kind of interesting for us as readers. And we'll say, oh, I think that's Edric Storm. I think she, I think she just ran past Edric Storm or, you know, something. So I don't I don't even know that Edric Storm. I kind of feel like maybe he comes back in the final book. And hey. You know, he's 13 or 14 now. If we get a couple more years, like maybe he could sit on the council, the small council. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he could be, I don't know. I'm not sure. Or maybe he takes over Storm's End. Maybe this is the way it goes. And it's just a little bit later. Yeah. I just, he's, he sent him over, he sent him over there. So he's got to be brought back somehow. Yeah. Or he's gone and always and forgotten forever. I mean, that could happen. <laughs> Maybe know. George writes him off because we've talked about which strings get dropped. Which, here. which is he just going to abandon things? I, mean, I think he, that's the whole deal. Well, how about this? To the next point we're talking about, if Aegon's real, let's 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 skip over the fact that he's real or not for a second, just to say, uh, I think that uh, young Griff will sit on the throne. I do. I think he will actually take the throne at some point in the series and then lose it. However, is there a chance that once he takes over, he calls back Edric Storm and gives him Storm's End? Is that possible? Especially if they end up taking it by storm. I Oh, there you go. That could work. <laughs> taking it by storm. <laughs> yeah. <Should> I... <laughs> that, no, no, that might. You're right. That might actually be the way it goes is that they need somebody, especially in the Stormlands, which is very close. You mm-hmm. need you need somebody who's not going to rise up against you, perhaps stand up against Daenerys. Uh, once because once she starts coming over, she may be saying, I'm taking the throne from whoever's sitting in, even if it's a Targaryen. Because yes. in her mind, the, th- the whole deal is going to be if young Griff takes the throne before Danny gets there, all she's going to think is he's a mummer's dragon, whether he is legit or not. Yes, all she's going to think about is the prophecies given to her, and she's going to think he's a mummer's dragon. I think that that's exactly right, and I think that that is a point of contention that has to happen in the books. And that's why I feel so strongly about this, which could be the thing is that maybe the war that's going on, you know, the whole, the show, you know, ruined a lot of the structure of the way I think everything is going to go because <laughs> I've still, you know, we all sort of knew at art Stark, you go back to the very beginning. Winter is coming. Like none of the other stuff matters at the end of the day. 
all the political fighting at the end of the day shouldn't matter. It's all it should be all about the White Walkers are coming south and we're going to have a song of ice and fire in the very end. So mm-hmm. if Daenerys comes down and then she's fighting a, a war against Cersei or Daenerys comes over, she's fighting a war against Cersei or she's fighting a war against young Griff, whoever. And then the coming battle you know, ensues. So I do like that. Maybe that is the role for Edric Storm is young Griff says, hey, I need somebody to set up. He is going over to Essos. Perhaps that's where we run into, you know, I mean, he could end up going to Pentos or anywhere else. He doesn't have to stay in Essos, but he could be sent over by Illyrio. Yeah, he absolutely could. Um, another question in this is we uh, we were asked, how do we think John Campbell takes Storms in and what is going to happen in the battle with Mace Tyrell? I don't think there will be a battle. I think Mace Tyrell is going to surrender Storm's End. And the reason why is because if we remember, he once tried to siege Storm End to take out Stannis Baratheon, and he ended up surrendering. And I think this is very much a George thing. And also, uh, we, we've we seen people have a little less than favorable opinion about Mace's martial abilities. I think that there is a chance that Mace Tyrell could end up surrendering and that there isn't. It's a red hair. There is no battle. That's my... Yeah, well, that, not even my hottest take for Winds of Winter, actually. <laughs> well, we know. I mean, you know, uh, remember Loras Tyrell gets super injured, and that's so what not, I'm. Thinking. He yeah. he does. He doesn't even have his best guy with him. Yeah, and maybe Mace wants to go get to his kit. I mean, who knows? But th- I just have a feeling that Mace Tyrell is not going to be holding down Storm's End very long, and I think that he might surrender. And he might not just surrender; he might join forces with young Griff, he might say, I'm backing you all the way to the red keep because maybe Cersei still has Marjorie imprisoned or whatever else. Maybe the Septa Baylor does blow up. I don't think, it you would. know, that's, that's the does. one thing. That's the one thing I feel like not just us, but just a song of ice and fire fans in general. The one thing I feel like we always forget about is the faith. Like we're still dealing with them in the books where yeah. we're at right now is yeah. like a lot of things could go wrong. And Mace Tyrell might even have to pull out of, that's- hundred percent possible. He may he may have to pull back, you know, and say, "Well, we gotta we gotta we gotta go back to the capital to deal with the faith." And I will say this: if if we do go Septa Baylor explosion, which I've I don't think we will, but if we do, that gives plenty of reason for Mace to say Cersei's lost her damn mind. Like she lost it to the faith, then she blew up everyone, including my kid. You know, we gotta go take this lady out, and then that's when we see Fagon come in. Um, or Aegon or Young Griff, whatever we right. call him. Uh, and then he is able to oust Cersei. Maybe she lands back in Castle Rock, and whenever Tyrion and Danny land from going past the Shy, maybe that's where Cersei's arc ends. I, 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 I'm i spitballing yeah. here. I think Jamie uh, yeah. and Cersei have to come back together at some point. But, yeah. um, you know, the, the, as you can see, there's a lot of ways to go. No wonder it takes so long to write these damn books. <laughs> seriously <laughs> seriously okay. so the next, um, the next thing he wants to know about Aegon, uh do do we think he's a black fire i do yes i we've we've talked about it before i you pretty much you could have him be real if you're going to do like a three heads of the dragon thing and then it's Aegon, mm-hmm. john and danny like if you really want to go that route but otherwise i just don't see a good reason for him to be real like the the real deal because then it sort of takes away from the john snow storyline it 100 percent does yeah right it, it, it sort of it sort of detracts from the idea that john is the real son 
of him. But then again, it always goes back to, and we, you know, we talked about it. Perhaps Varys is the super spy, and that, why does he tell? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, why does he tell? Oh God, um, Lannister, Kevin. Kevin Lannister. Why does he tell Kevin Lannister that? Well, because he made that maybe birds. He's he's so in on his on, <laughs> on his game that he knows that people might be listening, so he still tells them that. Or he's been also fooled. There, there is a chance of that. Could, um, could so be. And if that's the, the case, like, and that's like, going to be Varys's major downfall is that even Varys was deceived. But he's supposed to be the one who ushered the kid out. So I, I don't know. Who, who knows what Varys is doing? But another person Varys is tied to, and this is the last part of this question here, is um, will Peter Baelish support? And Peter Baelish and Varys have been at odds. Part of me feels like Baelish would like maybe that's like the big connection is that Baelish has actually been working with Varys this whole time. Like, well, here you go. Here's a here's a here's a thought for you. So, and this could go in a kind of a cool direction. So, Varys, let's say, does legitimately usher young or er, Aegon. <laughs> he legitimately ushers the baby Aegon out. Okay. The problem is, is that Varys still has to stay in Westeros pretty much all the time because he's still like on Robert's council and everything. So it's not like he's actually, he does travel to Essos, but he's not there like every day and it does take time to travel and everything. What's to say that Illyrio on his own doesn't like gets rid of that kid and then has this other kid, which is his, which he basically raises and he's even lying to Varys the whole time. Or maybe the babe just simply passed away. Yeah, it could be. Infant yeah. mortality is at a high level. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> In this yeah. world. Yeah. Uh, these are all possibilities. So that would be kind of a cool angle to go because then Varys would believe it's the like the real thing, but it's not. And then that also creates a fracture between Varys and Illyrio, which if we go down like a path that it's going to be a warring factions... You know, Varys may have to choose a different side. Yeah, that could definitely happen. And that's one of the reasons why I think Baelish probably wouldn't support Aegon if Varys is backing it, like if they really are at each other's, like, at, you know, against each other. But I also wonder, like, what is Baelish's endgame with Sansa? Like, does he just want the See, norm? that's the only, that's the only, that's the only reason I'm, I'm in on Baelish backing it. Yeah. Is because I think Baelish is going to encourage Sansa to marry young Griff. Yeah. And, but then you got to get rid of uh, Martell. And I feel like it's, I don't know. It's definitely going to come out. Also, like, I'm just trying to think about how Dorn relates to Danny when she lands because it's going to come out that Danny was spent time in Dorn when she was a child. Like, that's 100%. Lemon Gate's real. Um, right. I think, I think not a whole lot really has to go on with that though, other than her just no. making an alliance with Dorn. Like that, that literally can just be it. It can just, it can just be Dorn Martell saying, Hey, I remember you when you were yay tall. That, that, that's right. it. That's all we need. Cause we may actually have a war of essentially three faction. Well, it may honestly be a war of another five factions if you really <laughs> want to look at it. Stays you. Yeah, you'll still have Stannis or if Stannis and the Boltons are kind of finish each other off, like where the show went, you could, you know, but really you're going to have Danny, young Griff, the Lannisters, you know, if you want to say it's some like Euron, pus, possibly the 
others and White Walkers if he does gain control of them. And then you'll have like the John Sansa potentially faction. I think that'll sort of come together. And you still have Dorne. Right. So I think Dorne will, I think Dorne's going to ally with Danny. Okay. So you, yeah. Very so you early. think ultimately it ends up with Danny. Okay. Yeah. I think, I, yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, we, we could go down the list of, all, of all, who's all going to back who, but I definitely think that Danny is going to, is going to, is going to be allied with Dorne. Okay. I've always had this idea that, that, you know, no one listens to grandpa, no one listens to dad and they go off and will end up, you know, being with young, basically they'll pick the wrong dragon and it's going to cost Dorn everything. Like I've always had that. Like, really? Yeah. Go, yeah. Like I feel like the Martells might be gone completely by the time the series is over. Uh, but who knows? Cause we got the Sphinx who's obviously a Martell sitting at the old town. Dude, I don't know. That's great. It's like, that's the thing, man. We've been uh, speculating on this. We've been speculating on this for years, and and for and those it still who, never gets old. I know. <laughs> yeah, and for those who like, you know, if you've read the books and you said, "Eh, I didn't really like Feast for Crows." One, when we do the reread, I'm gonna make you enjoy it because there's so yeah. much goodness there. It's, well, it, it's plus, honestly, plus we're gonna do we're gonna do <clears throat> the boiled leather, which I'm so pumped for. Yeah, I think that boiled leather is going to show people just how important Dorn is. And, it, but you know, if you read it or maybe you didn't really enjoy the Dorn stuff or you only did the Dorn stuff in the show and you're just listening to the podcast, Dorn is so interesting because of this, because you have so many people part of the same family, just like the Starks, just like the Lannisters that all have their own motivations. They all have their own trauma and they all have their own problems. So like Dorn is fascinating. It, they're kind of everywhere. Like we have a, we have a Dornish man that goes to Essos and dies. We have one at Old Town. We have one that's getting shipped up hopefully somewhere near King's Landing. There's a lot of stuff. And then obviously uh, Oberyn and whatnot. But Dorne is like slowly just become massive and super important. And I and I think those threads are going to result in some really cool things. We might see the Sphinx sailing around with Euron at some point. Like that might be happening. So who knows? But keep an eye on Dorne. As always, we want to thank you for playing the Game of Thrones because in our next episode we'll be doing a night of a seven kingdoms iceberg part one can't wait for that and if you like this podcast where we rant and rave about a song of ice and fire don't forget to subscribe like us write a review or leave us a comment or send us a raven as all the funny ones uh, all the ones we just read uh yours could be next and you can send that at btkcast at gmail.com or bend the knee podcast.com we will see you next time and remember that winter is coming